0: juices are flowing started
1: all right hey guys welcome to our first official podcast uh, i'm colin and my name's nate and we are travel unknown so kind of our idea for this podcast is to talk about cool travel destinations and interesting stories that you may or may not know uh along the way
0: yeah and a little bit of background about both of us um I, we're both indiana university students uh I'm studying informatics and computer science and uh,
1: HCI. And I am studying media advertising and business marketing. Uh, we're both from Indiana. I'm from Columbus and Nate's from LaPorte uh, and I think both of us are wanting to head out west after college and uh, we're both really inter- interested in travel so that's that's kind of what what sparked our interest in starting a podcast about this. Travel unknown. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about Lake Tahoe and what exactly lies at the bottom of the lake.
0: And just a little background information on Lake Tahoe borders California and Nevada, and it lies in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So it's a really pretty scenery. And it's the largest lake in North America, but it's the second deepest just behind Crater Lake. It's at 1,645 feet
1: deep. It's definitely, it's it's such an awesome destination. I think it's my favorite place to go. I've been there four times now. Um, it's very big for skiing as well. So in the summer and winter, I've never made it out there in the winter yet, um, but I would love to. Another really interesting thing is the clarity of the lake. They have a non-for-profit company out there called Keep Tahoe Blue. It's actually called the League to... Save Lake Tahoe. Um, and they're all about reducing pollution to the lake, make sure in the making sure that the clarity levels are as high as possible. Um, which is really cool.
0: And there's a ton of conspiracy theories right behind with like the mafia and there's creatures like Loch
1: Ness type down there and Yeah, there is. And one of the biggest theories is like you said, the mafia. Back in the nineteen fifties, Lake Tahoe was such a big tourist destination for a lot of Hollywood stars, uh, most notably like Frank Sinatra. Um and they would come from Reno, Nevada, which is about an hour away. It's a big gambling city. And they would dump their victims in the middle of the lake, uh, which is really, really interesting because that's definitely a possibility. And there's a lot of, a lot of uh, background on that. Uh, one story we came across, actually, is this, this guy from Carson City, Nevada, which isn't too far away. Um, he lived there his whole life and he said that his grandparents lived in Tahoe for over 30 years, and his grandma would always say that back in Tahoe's heyday when the Rat Pack was running around, um, they would they would get rid of their people in the middle of the lake. So it's, it's definitely not a new conspiracy, and it's pretty interesting that his grandma had stories about that. Uh,
0: there's been other stories too, right, about uh, people going fishing and reeling up hands and cut up. Yeah.
1: Just a lot of a lot of weird things. Um, there's rumors of Chinese railroad workers being dumped in the lake. Um, and then, like you said, a monster, like the Loch Ness Monster, that they actually call it Tahoe Tessie. I think that one's a little bit more far-fetched, but still a funny idea to entertain. Yeah,
0: with the water being so clear, you'd think you'd see it by now. It's not like yeah. you're in Scotland where it's
1: yeah, all dark definitely. and stormy. But there's some pretty eerie stories about things that have actually been uncovered from Lake Tahoe. Um, that aren't conspiracy, for example. Um, have you ever heard of Jacques Cousteau? No, I haven't heard of it. Yeah, I hadn't either. But I guess he's a he's a French naval officer and explorer, um, and they went diving, scuba diving in Lake Tahoe, and people said when he emerged, he was visibly shaken and said, "The world is not ready for what I have seen." But There's a lot of people skeptical about this. I mean, some people say that he never went scuba diving in Lake Tahoe because he's a he's he was from France, but it makes you think like how would a rumor like that come about? I guess. Yeah, that's terrifying. I mean,
0: even if someone didn't
1: see anything and they
0: still came up and said those words, like I would still shit my pants. I don't.
1: Yeah, like what you see? Did you see Tahoe Tessie? Was there actually like a Loch Ness (laughs) monster down there? But, and then. Of course, um there's stories of just fishermen finding or like reeling in a hand or like a hand like floating up, which is <laughs> kinda of funny but also scary at the same time.
0: Yeah, and one of those fishing stories is about three fingered Tony, which is Oh the
1: legend of three finger tony. <laughs> yeah,
0: which is funny but terrifying where the fisherman uh reeled up a hand and it was he had three fingers and they had cut off like the mafia had cut off two of his fingers that was like a marking of
1: uh it was common for mafia to riot. do that yeah it
0: was like a marking for like when they would chop people up or get rid of them or dispose of a body however you want to yeah. describe it
1: so that's pretty eerie and terrifying and another thing that actually happened and this is more recent a guy named donald christopher Windecker he, uh, he went diving with a friend, set out for a dive on July 10th of 1994, so that was a while ago now. And he, I guess his oxygen tank, he was having problems with it, and he started to run out of oxygen and started to sink. And his fellow diver that was with him had to make the choice of, he, he was running out of oxygen too, and he had to make the choice of going to get his friend or potentially and potentially dying as well or resurfacing and I guess the guy the guy resurfaced and they knew he was down there um, and it had been 17 years in 2011.
0: That'd be a really difficult situation because nowadays they have two uh, oxygen cords I guess I can't remember what they're called the respiratory systems attached to an oxygen tank for that specific reason so that if someone else runs out of oxygen and the other person has more, like whatever it is, they can share the oxygen tank and just swim up together. Uh, It'd be difficult when you're that far in such a deep lake. But yeah, they had that back then, so it's surprising that he made a decision like that.
1: Yeah, and especially like a traumatic thing, knowing that you surfaced and knowing that your friend was down there and that his body was going to always be down there. But the interesting thing is in 2011, it had been 17 years since this happened and an underwater drone was down there with a camera and they actually found Windecker's body. Now the lake is really deep, so it wouldn't make sense that he had gone all the way to the bottom where this, this camera found him. Um, but I guess his body had sunk down and got caught on a ledge. I'm not sure exactly how deep it was. I think it was around like 200 feet below the surface where they found it.
0: That's still considered like a professional. That's a professional dive, though. Like that's not something that someone who like rents de- gear can just like go and do. Like you have to have certifications for any sort of dive like that in general. Now,
1: yeah. And when they did find him, they ended up bringing him to the surface. And the crazy thing is, with Lake Tahoe being an alpine lake, the temperatures stay pretty cold. Uh, year round. And with how deep he was, apparently the temperature of the water was the perfect temperature to preserve a body. And this is kind of creepy because after 17 years, um, the the coroner or whoever it was, whenever he came up, they said his body was about 90% preserved. So he still looked like a full human, like everything was still there, which is just kind of nasty to think about but also depressing.
0: It's like the horror movie, like the people that are stuck in a wax museum and they preserve their bodies. It's the same idea. It's gross.
1: And people say that people coin like Tahoe as it's an underground wax museum, which is...
0: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's disgusting. It's like Titanic.
1: Yeah. But um, they said that his wetsuit still had the scuba gear and had a certification from 1994, so he was professionally certified Um, and apparently when he was found, some locals speculated that he had gone undiscovered for so long because he was caught in underwater tunnels because there's a legend that, that says Lake Tahoe is connected with Pyramid Lake, which is Northeast of Reno. So again, about an hour more away, um, that there's like these lava tunnels under the lakes that connect them. Um, and after, after the coroner, um examined him, he pretty much dismissed the speculation and said it was an urban myth.
0: I don't know, but that myth still makes you wonder like if there's you know, if that's where all the mafia bodies were hidden or
1: definitely. And people say that like bodies missing people who were who went missing at Lake Tahoe were found at Pyramid Lake, but again there's no like physical or no um verified information about it it's just all speculation which is a little bit sketchy but still thought-provoking nonetheless
0: (laughs) yeah because it I don't know it makes you wonder because the water's so clear and all these myths about people being at the bottom you'd think you'd be able to see them yeah I mean in the parts that aren't a thousand feet deep but I guess that tunnel could act as like a vacuum
1: yeah (laughs) and take you over to that lake so as you can see there's tons of speculation about what's at the bottom of the lake and you know, maybe maybe no one will ever find out. Maybe it's gonna be an ongoing investigation.
0: Yeah, who knows.
1: And so I guess in closing for our Lake Tahoe segment, definitely if you have the chance, I would I would go there. Like I said, it's my favorite travel destination. I would recommend kayaking in Sand Harbor, which is in Crystal Bay. It's such such an awesome Location. The water's so clear; you can snorkel there. And there's tons of boulders in in the water. Uh, it's really like like no other place. Um, but this next part of the part of the episode, we're gonna transition to we're gonna kind of make it into a personal experiences segment. Sometimes we'll have guests on talking about certain travel experiences that that they have had. Uh, but today we have the honor of listening to nate talk about his recent trip to zion national park in utah so i'll I'll pass it over to nate
0: yeah so uh it was actually our spring break trip uh this past spring (laughs) um me and my girlfriend drove from indiana all the way out to uh, utah and our first so the first part of the trip was our uh our first stop was in denver colorado we stayed with one of my cousins who was nice enough to let us stay at his house for free so we didn't have to pay for a hotel or anything and that was nice too because we could cook at home and more go out whatever we wanted to do um i guess i'll just start from the beginning unpacking and doing all that stuff so this was probably our like third big trip that we had taken um and i don't know maybe we'll talk about the other ones later but you learn a lot from like doing the first one and doing pretty much like everything wrong (laughs) and then doing like a few things right and then keep adding on to it for the next one and the next one. So the, this time we had a lot, it went a lot more smooth and it was a lot easier going. Um, But packing was, it was easier. There's, it was only a week long. So, and for the first two days we were going to be in a house. So, We were only camping for four nights, I think, three, four nights. Um, So the way we do it is we separate everything into, like, different bins. So, like, a food bin, like, a gear bin, uh, like, sleeping bags and stuff like that can stay outside of it. Uh, Like, your bags, obviously, but, uh, like, cooking stuff, your campfire stuff, like, everything you could possibly need, like, throw into a bin. So, like, separate it, label it. Do whatever you need to do. Um, and then we uh, kind of separate everything from, like, what you need when you first get to the spot, like, when you're camping. So, like, the first thing you typically want to take out is your tent, like, if you're car camping. So put the tent on top so you, like, lay, like layer everything. So from the bottom in the trunk, you want to put, like, the cooking stuff and stuff like that because, like, you won't need that necessarily, like, right when you show up because the whole... Yeah, like, as soon as you get there, the first thing you want to do is set up your tent. So, yeah, we always just make sure we did that. And it was definitely a different experience because the drive from Indiana to Colorado is pretty dry until you hit Colorado. So
1: Yeah, I mean, Kansas is (laughs) not much to see there. No,
0: it's all just straight, flat road. Not even, there's nothing. Like, the farmland's even boring to look at. There's not even not even corn to like stare at there's nothing there's tons of windmills
1: but how long of a drive was that from indiana to to utah ultimately i know you stopped in denver but how long was the travel time for the whole trip
0: so the whole trip was probably over i think it was over a day and it's like a day and 3 hours so like 27 hours total
1: that's a lot of time just sitting in a car with your girlfriend
0: <laughs> yeah it was it was good though it was, we've we've found ways to pass the time and listening to podcasts being the number one <laughs> um to help pass the time and make things more interesting and yeah there's definitely some quiet moments and then there's yeah laughter and then anger and then yeah you know, it all goes through a loop but yeah if you sit with anyone for a contain a contained space for you know 30 hours you'll you'll probably get a little angry between yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah um, yeah so the drive from Indiana to Denver was fifteen hours, which, after doing this a couple of times doesn't it wasn't nearly as bad as it was the first time um and uh yeah, so we just left it. I think we didn't even leave until like nine or ten in the morning, and then we got to uh got to Denver with the time difference at like eleven o'clock at night there um so we had plenty of time to sleep in and the next morning, we started out right away. We started with a hike because that's like our go-to thing. So there's a, a ton of, t- ton of trails everywhere, all over Denver. Um, one of my favorite spots, like that's not hiking, is the uh, Rhino District uh, in Denver, it's like the River North Art District. Um, super cool. There's they do this thing where you can, they like paint the the alleyways like they have a ton of art and they have uh like people who do um graffiti and like anything like murals like giant wall murals and stuff and they look amazing and there's a whole week where like businesses and stuff like allow these people to paint on the back of their buildings and it's just insane to see like these random people come and like make these massive wall murals and make them look super cool and make an alleyway not feel like a gross dark alleyway
1: and so is this district in like downtown denver or is this in a suburb
0: so it's like just outside of denver i don't know denver's kind of weird because it's a big city but it's like a small town feel so i don't know like it's not like chicago or anywhere that you'd expect like a ton of car unless there's like a rockies game or something going on but other than that, like, it's really not that hard to navigate. Like, there's really not a ton of, I don't know, there's not, like, a ton of traffic all the time. Like, even on weekends, I felt like, um, yeah, it's, like, just outside the city. But, like, I mean, 10, 15 minutes, like, not far at all. So highly recommend that. That's super cool.
1: Um, and so then how, how far, after you guys left for Denver, I guess, jumping ahead, uh, how long did it take you to get to Zion in Utah?
0: Yeah. So getting to Zion from Denver was about nine and a half hours. So after doing 15 hours, nine hours doesn't seem so bad at all either. So like you split it up each person drives four and a half hours and you're there and it's really not that bad mm-hmm. by the time you, I don't know, you pass the time even by like making lunch in the car. So when you, uh, plan on eating like breakfast and lunch in the car and then dinner as soon as you get there, it speeds the time along pretty fast. Um, yeah, we were able to get there and great time. We had like an hour and a half before sunset when we got to Zion, so we had plenty of time to set up our tent. Even we even made dinner, um, have a campfire, and my aunt actually sent me this like super cool thing where you, it's like a portable campfire, and you it's like this little tin can thing, like a tin candle that you light on fire. That's like a soy. It's like that it doesn't emit anything that's bad for the air or anything. It's super cool and it stays lit for like three to five hours and like actually like produces heat. And it's to put out the fire you just put the the lid back on top of it, which was really nice. So, so it's like,
1: made out of soy? Yeah. So it's it's not of, like a fire starter or anything?
0: No, no, not at all. So it's like eco friendly as it gets <laughs> for having a fire and you don't have to like cut any trees down when you're there so like and that's typically frowned upon when you're at a campsite or like international forests obviously and stuff like that so you don't have to find like knock down wood or anything like dead trees nothing you can just you literally just pull it out take a lighter or a match and light the uh light the parts that it's like i don't even know what it is it's like it's there's like little like it looks like cardboard but it stays lit (laughs) throughout the entire thing um yeah so we got there set that up made dinner and yeah super easy to do and then uh the next morning we head to zion and it wasn't what i was expecting at all like all of a sudden so like we were we were staying just outside zion because to stay in any of those like major well-known national parks you have to make your reservation like a year in advance, which is wild. Um, Zion's not as bad as Yosemite but yeah Zion was still packed like we had planned this trip like three, four months before and it was already booked.
1: So what made you what made you pick Zion because I know what is it Utah has five or six big parks um, which are I'm thinking arches, Zion um oh you know the other ones Badlands is Badlands in yeah, Utah? Yeah there's Badlands there's uh Canyonlands there's Capitol Reef
0: um there's I think there's one or two others as well.
1: Are any of those national parks or are they all state parks? No
0: yeah those are all all national, par- like all national Bryce, parks like yeah, wow. Bryce Canyon too um yeah they're all national parks which is wild I think Utah has the most yeah national parks in a state and it's not even the biggest which is super cool.
1: Yeah, so what made you guys choose Zion as opposed to, like, Arches or whatever?
0: Yeah, we chose uh, Zion for uh, a couple trails. Uh, One was Angels Landing, and the other one was the Subway Trail. Um, That's less well-known but still, like, super popular. Um, We didn't actually get to do that one. Uh, So our main focus was Angels Landing and just, like, getting to see the, like, Red Rock and everything everywhere um so like back to like when we were driving up to it there's you're like just on a normal road like out of nowhere like about probably like 100 yards before the park entrance the road just turns red and like the road's a different color and like all of a sudden the red rock just hits and it's just like straight up in the air that's sweet yeah and as soon as you uh as soon as you like drive in there it's just like okay like you're in a whole (laughs) different world and yeah and my girlfriend like the first thing she said like when she looked out she felt like she was on mars because really? there's just like red rock with stripes in it and it looks yeah it looks like the sand and dust like you're on mars
1: so have you have you ever been to the grand canyon
0: yeah so i've been to the grand canyon when i was younger and we did the whole where you like ride a horse down and then you take the train ride and stuff
1: okay i was just gonna say like did the rock look similar to, like, the rock G- Grand Canyon rock, or was it different? Because I've never been to either. So when you say, like, Red Rock, I kind of think of, like, what the Grand Canyon looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, super similar, just different, like, just formed differently. So, okay. So not as, like, on, like, such a big scale as the Grand Canyon. It's, like, it's not as, like, carved out and things like that. It's much, much smaller. Yeah, Zion National Park's a r- small, small national park and it's like absolutely pristine they keep everything like definitely the cleanest park i've ever seen and ever um and like that being said it comes with like downsides too like it's all like very i don't know it's very touristy because all of the, all the paths are paved like except for angels landing and a few of them but like everything else is paved so like everywhere you walk there's i don't know there's like a dirt path that they made or even um like concrete and cement. Um, hmm. So it's different. Like, it's good for kids, too, um, but it's still, like, still worth seeing no matter what. It's super cool.
1: So were a lot of the trails, like, that you guys um, went on hikes, was there a lot of, like, tourists there, or were they just kind of in the main, like, vistas, would you say?
0: Yes, there there were a a lot of people. We, uh, another pro tip, if you get to Zion National Park before they open... You don't have to pay, which isn't you know necessarily good because you want to be able to support the parks and everything. But we have the annual National Park Pass anyway. So, I mean, it wouldn't have mattered. But if how much
1: how much was like a day pass to Zion?
0: So they don't have known. I don't think any national parks have day passes. They okay. do seven day passes. So. For seven days, it's $30 typically, like $30, 35. That's not bad. Yeah, not terrible. For and Did you have to pay
1: week. separate to like stay and camp there or no?
0: Yeah, it, yeah. so you have to pay to get in. And then if you do camp at Zion, you have to pay more. It's not much. It's like any other camp. It's like $20, 25 a night or something. It might even be less um, to stay there. So overall, like it's still cheap. Like you're camping, like it's still cheap um but if money's tight or whatever for some reason if you get there before i think they open at eight or something so if you get there before eight you can get in and leave for free they don't check your car on the way out
1: um yeah
0: uh what was i talking about
1: um you were talking about the rock formations and how it's touristy oh yeah
0: yeah right so um Yeah, a little bit touristy, but that's, I mean, that's, like, the only way that you can keep something, like, that beautiful, that clean for as long as it has been, and to keep it that way for the next, you know, the hundreds of years, whatever it is to come. Um, Yeah, and so the very first morning we went, we did Angel's Landing, which was by far the, like, highlight of the trip, like, unreal. Um, It's kind of amazing that they allow people to do it, because... I know, like, people have died climbing it just because there's, I think it was, like, 1,000-foot oh, drop-offs wow. on the sides, like, once you get up to the top. But yeah, super wild. Um, so, like, the first, the first, like, mile or two miles is just straight uphill, and, like, you think, like, oh, this is the hard part, like, we're getting to the top, and then you get to this part where it plateaus, and you're like, oh, like, this is it, and then you see, like, people keep walking on this like very very thin wall where there's a chain like right up against the wall that you have to hang on to Jeez, um to keep walking up it and it does that again so there's a ton of uh, false peaks inside of it but I, I loved it it was i love climbing stuff like that and there's I don't know. It's just so different. Like there's no other trail where you can go or you have to hang on the side of a wall just without like technically being rock climbing. So
1: like on that particular trail, was there like a lot of families with kids? Probably not.
0: No, not a ton. There were a couple, which was, I don't know. I thought it was kind of surprising. Yeah. um, Because I don't know. I think a lot of people went up there just expecting it to be like another trail, like walking up to this the highest it's the highest peak in Zion National Park so I think a lot of people did it because it is like very ed, well advertised so but I don't think people realize that it would be like as intense as it was because it's not portrayed that way like they don't they don't like sell it that way they're just like oh yeah like here's this really cool thing you can do which is true and definitely gets a lot more people up there which is cool uh but like my girlfriend like she was scared for a little bit but like once she got going she was fine she loved it um yeah it was just unreal I remember at one moment there's like there's people that are just like you're like neck to neck with people because it's so popular like depending on what time of day you go like we went super early so on the way up there wasn't like there was no like bottlenecking or anything like everyone was pretty like smooth going up and down but there's like a couple of people that are like need to take a minute to like catch their breath, like stand on a part that's not like, okay. Like you have a foot to like for your body to be. And then the rest is all like just straight drop off from a cliff. So I don't know people you have to like talk to people, which is awesome. I see you get to meet, meet a lot of cool people. And then, um, yeah. So I definitely recommend starting super early if you can. And then, coming down there is tons of people and a lot of this is there's nobody regulating any of it like how many people are going up this trail or down it so the people that were trying to come up when like a ton of like some people who got up really early to go go up were already on their way down and those people who uh were just on their way up and it was like one or two in the afternoon they uh it kind of there's like huge traffic jams but like it wasn't as bad for us as it was for them but coming down there's like on the whole trail like most of it is one way like you can't there is no two-way because you know there's (laughs) the room for you and your body so a lot of
1: people waiting to get past then yeah so it's a
0: lot of like people just like taking turns and like having to like manage that themselves and like there's no like nothing like you didn't have to have a special permit to hike this at all like so they're not regulating the amount of people going on it at all which is cool like they allow that many people on it but yeah you definitely have to like make your set your time aside for it not that it's super long or anything it's just yeah well highly trafficked
1: so did you get there on a weekend then and you did this one on like a Saturday or Sunday no, so we were there
0: on, like, a Wednesday, oh, which okay. was nuts. I was going to say,
1: I expect, like, when I went to Yosemite, we were there on the weekend and then also at the beginning of the week, and, like, the difference between Saturday and Monday was, like, huge, obviously, and so I just wondered, like, on that on that particular trail, what day you were there with how busy it was.
0: Right, yeah, so, like, I I expected it to be, like, oh, like, there really wouldn't be that many people there, and, like, when we were on our way down, it was, like, holy shit like there's a ton of people here like which is super surprising like i know it was like spring break season so a lot of families were um like they were on their spring break and doing that which is awesome that families are getting out and doing that but yeah even for a wednesday i was like wow this is really really busy and for like such a small park and yeah it wasn't what i expected at all but it was all all good turnouts
1: so what was the like food situation so you guys camped for what four nights then there, or just three uh
0: we we ended up camping three nights,
1: okay, yeah. so did you just pack all your food and then that's the food you ate, or did you stop before you went into the park um and then brought like the non perishable stuff from home,
0: yeah, so we uh we brought all the non perishable stuff from like the stores at home, so we like got what we could we'd get as much as we could ahead of time, and I like, recommend that everyone do that if they can. Um and get a cooler that's can hold ice for like three five days whatever it is yeah um, and that
1: comes to our first sponsor for the day yeti coolers <laughs> no i'm just kidding
0: <laughs> yeah maybe that'd be really cool <laughs> that'd be really helpful um yeah and you'd be like there there's like coleman uh coolers that are a lot cheaper than yeti they don't work as well but they do they, they get, get the, the job done to, yeah. yeah it's not terrible like they do actually do hold the ice pretty well for paying 35 40 or something on amazon um yeah so we pack as much as we could ahead of time and what we do is the last like major city that we go through before we get to like where we're gonna camp is typically where we stop and get things that'll go bad like i don't know like carrots or if we buy like eggs or something like we try and keep it like we try and wait to buy that as long as we can just so that like it'll stay fine in a cooler but no no it's just easier to yeah. help, you know keep it the best as long as it can before it's sitting in a cooler for five days um yeah and then uh so the next after that we went and just like walked around the park so zion zion only has like think like nine or ten total trails that's it and yeah so
1: it's pretty small then
0: yeah so there's a lot of yeah just a lot like you could you could do the whole park in one day if you really wanted to like it would be definitely a jam-packed full day but I don't know we didn't want to do that we wanted to you know take our time and see everything we could yeah so after that we just kind of like walked around checked things out like went to the their like headquarters where they have their um a uh, ranger and stuff like that to like talk to them, and yeah, also yeah, whenever you're at a place like that, or if you're wherever you're at, if it's a national park, you know, national forest, if there is like a ranger or somebody that'll talk to you and like give you insight on trips, like tips or something for like different trails you go on, like highly recommend talking to those people because they've got nothing else to do if that's like what their duty is for the day. So like they love it when people come and talk to them and like ask for, um, like what they like to do and like what their favorite stuff is. And we've done, like we've done a ton of cool trails that like we never would have known about even using like the all trails app and stuff.
1: Yeah. I was going to say a lot of the park rangers know like cool spots that not everyone that's not advertised. And so you can definitely learn a lot of cool trails from park rangers. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, you know typically
0: super nice people and passionate about what they do to you know put and give their life to that basically and live in the park um yeah so we got to do that and uh check out they do have a restaurant there we didn't eat there but like they have a restaurant that seemed nice it was busy so i assumed it was pretty good and yeah that so that night we went home um after angels landing and doing the park and then uh yeah like home
1: being the campsite yeah
0: being the campsite um in the first night it was so during the day it was like it was warm like it was hot like sweating like 65 70 degrees but at night i wasn't expecting i expected it to be cold i didn't expect it to snow and i didn't expect to wake up to my sleeping bag being covered in ice and, and it was like damp and wet and it just frozen over. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is, so you went there in the middle of March and I've never been to Utah, but I assume going to Zion, I've, I've seen pictures of Zion. I assumed it would be like a cool, like, I don't know, upper 60s to like low 70s. And you were saying that like at night it dropped down to, like, how cold was it?
0: I think it the first night it dropped down to like I think it was 27 wow. degrees. <laughs> yeah, my yeah, my girlfriend wasn't extremely happy about that.
1: <laughs> That's a big swing from the day to night going from the 60s. Yeah, it was yeah,
0: completely unexpected. Judging weather for when you're at a national park is extremely difficult because the park and if you stay outside the camp is like typically different. Cause usually the park is either higher or lower than where the campsite is outside of the park. So like it is, yeah, completely different like night and day between the two for weather. Um, the, yeah. So I remember the first night, like the first morning. So after we had slept and woke up to like a frozen sleeping bag, we had our alarms set for like, I don't know, I think it was like six thirty six forty five or something. And, my girlfriend, so we, we had a, we had slept with our, uh, like our mummy sleeping bags. And for those people who don't know the, that's when the sleeping bag like comes up and over and like hugs your head, like a hat to keep you warm. And, and you have to like pull the strings to like make it tight. And like, so that, so it keeps you warm and all the heat stays in. And yeah, my girlfriend had had that pulled so tight and she wore, I think like five or six layers and then like three three layers on her legs and then a hat at night and like watching her wake up and (laughs) and freaking out when the alarm went off and her she couldn't get her hands out of the mummy bag so because well there's zippers on the inside and out like any other camping bag so she like couldn't find it though because she was sleeping with mittens on it. <laughs> and she couldn't open it <laughs> so the alarm had been going off for like a minute or two and she finally <laughs> gets it off and her hat had like pushed her hair around and like I don't know, it was just so funny like watching her awake <laughs> and just very confused and out of it because yeah. everything was frozen <laughs> Yeah. You definitely learn, you know, you see all the sides of people when you camp with them for four nights and no showers and yeah, all that good stuff. Yeah. I think it's a good test of a relationship for sure.
1: Yeah. And you, this isn't your first, first trip. So you guys are well tested. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So everything's good. Yeah. No surprises on anything. And so I guess what was Zion like compared to what you expected going into the trip?
0: yeah i expected i did not expect it to be as touristy and like laid out as it was because I'd, I'd never been to a park like that i like i've been to i think five or six or seven different ones and between like national forest state parks and yeah and it, i've just never been to one where like the trails all started out with cement and like there was I don't know that's just not what you think about because like you think about them like preserving it as much as they can so like they don't change as much as they can but Zion kind of took a different approach where he's like okay like we're going to take out like these parts but then never touch anything else so and like we're not going to allow people to like leave anything like there's going to be. It was just, it's so small, like it's easier for them to like keep track of everything, like the way they did it. And it's, yeah, it's, yeah. But like I said before, like by far the cleanest park I've ever seen. That's awesome. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is super cool. Yeah. So it's just give and take on like what you like and, you know, to keep things clean or to like keep it as natural as you can.
1: So for any, any visitors or listeners who are thinking about taking a trip to Zion, what would you say uh, like what would your main advice be?
0: Uh, yeah, my main advice would be to do it. I'd say you could do it in two or three days like we did, um, and pick like two or three main ones. So we wanted to do angels landing and the subway trail, which the subway Trail is when you have to get like waders and like waterproof boots and stuff and you hike through the water and it's like, it can be, it's going to be as long of the trails you want it to be. I think the total, can be like it's like up to 16 miles or something i could be wrong about that wow. yeah but there's more like a drought like you can get off where it's like eight miles or you can do like an out and back where it's only like one two three four miles whatever you want it to be and we were really looking forward to that but with the uh the time we had and like the price that it costs, i think it's about like it's like $50 a person to do it to like rent the gear and then hike it. And the water was freezing cold because <laughs> it was March and yeah. So like, I think I don't know, and a lot of the stuff hadn't like bloomed completely yet since it was, uh, still March, everything was coming in. But I think that's more of like a summer. I think summer would be a really good spot to do that for, but angels landing might be a little bit hotter, but the subway trail would be a lot more doable and those are the two that I like highly recommend because we walked down to like look at it. So we went to the trailhead since there's only 10 of them. We just took, there's a bus that goes through, um, the whole park and you can, you can't drive through it, which is another thing I forgot to mention. You can't drive through the whole park. You can only drive to the first three stops. And then after that you have to take a bus, the rest of it, which is another way that they keep it immaculate yeah. and super clean. Yeah. So I'd highly recommend, uh, doing that, like, so it's definitely a cool summer spot if you plan on doing those two, like, big highlight hikes. Um, yeah, and as for the rest of the trip, so after we finished at Zion, we planned on going to uh, I think we planned on going to Capitol Reef and then Arches and Canyonlands because Arches and Canyonlands are like super close to each other, so if you wanted to, you could camp in between them and then do one one day and then another the next day. Arches is, we, we did end up doing arches, but we didn't stay because the next, so the day we left that night, it started snowing, like snowing more than it had snowed previously and started hailing and like just wild storms going on for March. Like the weather was just, it had never been like that crazy, like that up and down going from like 70 to like hailing and snowing so we just hit on our way out arches and Canyonlands were right in the way we didn't have time to do both and uh arches was like the smaller of the two so we chose to drive through arches and we did like a super short hike um but that one's another one that i like recommend you could do in a day because i don't know all the arches are <laughs> pretty much the same but it's re- really pretty at uh sunset um And if you do want to take pictures, take film, photography, whatever it is, it's super cool to do at sunset or at sunrise, either one. Um, Yeah, arches is just something you have to see. Because, like, again, like, you you drive all through Utah and there's no arches anywhere else. But, like, all of a sudden you hit this spot and then there's, like, hundreds and hundreds of arches everywhere.
1: Yeah, Arches is a place I've wanted to visit for a while now. It's definitely on the bucket list. Yeah, it's
0: super cool. When you first drive up, it's like, okay, well, I don't see any arches. And then you like, they do allow you to drive through arches. So you drive like 10 or 15 minutes before you see one, and then after that, it's like, oh, there's another one, and another one, and another one, and yeah, it's super cool. Yeah, we drove home after that. We ate lunch at Arches, and after like once we hiked to the spot we wanted to, ate lunch there, and then hiked back and then we just like made our trip back to indiana we had to split it up between two days because anyone driving for 30 hours is nuts i don't know how they do it so we broke it up into two we did like 16 and 14 i think and that was a lot a lot more doable it was worth the like 80 dollars or whatever it was for the one night in the
1: hotel yeah So all in all, good experience at Zion?
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, highly recommend it. I don't, yeah, I would never not recommend a national park, but yeah, it's, they're all just so different and like Zion was so different than anything I could ever imagine because like I had an idea of what it was and like I'd seen pictures of it, but like you don't see that it's how clean it is and like just how it's so different
1: from everything else. All right. So that wraps it up for this episode. If you have any questions about traveling to Zion National Park or Lake Tahoe, feel free to reach out to travelunknown at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at travelunknownpc. And other than that, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.